To all who mourn and need comfort, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, to all who fail and need strength, to all who sin and need a savior, and thirst after righteousness, and to whoever else will come, Grace Life Church opens wide her doors in the name of Christ Jesus and offers you welcome. Praise the Lord. And um, just really quickly before I do the scripture, um, I have been this person. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just great to hear Kyle talk about healing and trials. And the verse that he read is a verse that I've been clinging to for over a decade. Um, and I just re got results this week for an issue that I've been having in my ankle for over 10 years that no doctor would work with me long enough to diagnose. It's affected my personal life, uh, my fitness goals, you know, all those different things, just this unexplained ailment. And just this week, I now have a diagnosis. I have a very routine surgery prepared for next month um, to bring deliverance for that. So would you all just celebrate with me? Thank you so much. I know this is out of the rhythm of what we normally do for a welcome, but there are many people here who are suffering physically and emotionally, and you need to hear the word that God is faithful, whether it's been one day you've been dealing with this or a decade or two decades, however long it is, God is not slow about keeping his promises, and he loves you, and, and we know that he's not slow and that he's faithful because if he didn't spare his own son, but freely gave him to us, how will he not also through Christ freely give us all things? So if you ever start to doubt, you just look at the cross and know that it didn't end in death. It ended in a resurrection and your story isn't finished. So praise the Lord. Now, if you would like to open your Bible or um, that QR code, we will read together 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, 
so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we shall share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Amen and glory to God. Thank you, Bree. Man, I love you guys. Uh, I feel like I don't, Alexa just leaned over and she's like, you don't even have to preach this morning. Like, Seriously, though, oh my word. <clears throat> the Lord is in this place. And uh, I, yeah, I just love worshiping with you guys. It's, it's incredible. Um, and I'm really excited to dive into this passage with you guys this morning. Before we do, though, I'm going to pray. Lord, you are here. Thank you. Thank you that we get to enjoy you as our Savior, as our Lord and our God. God, please just quiet our hearts before you, before your word, just for the next couple minutes. Lord, may your truth just reach down deep into our hearts. And may we get to experience your comfort, Lord. Bless this time together, Lord. May it bring honor and glory to your name, and it's in your name that I pray. Amen. That last song, Kyle, just let us in. It is well with my soul. It's actually the perfect song to just encapsulate what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story of the, the guy who wrote that song. He, uh, his name's Horatio Spafford, and he and his family had four daughters. They lived in Chicago, and he was a businessman, and the great Chicago fire came and just took out everything. Like, they lost everything. Their home, all his investments wiped out. I mean, can you imagine, like, having young children, you just, you've built this life, and all of a sudden, it's, it's gone. They're trying to rebuild. They're trying to settle again. Two years later, his wife and daughters are traveling over to Europe. And the ship, there's a shipwreck at sea. His four daughters pass away. So his wife survives. She gets to Europe. She sends him a telegram that says, saved alone. It's just me. So then Horatio Spafford gets on a ship to go meet his grieving wife. And as he's crossing the place where the shipwreck, the shipwreck happened, that's when he wrote those words. He said, when peace like a river comes to me, or when sorrows like sea billows roll. And I think you can guess which one he was experiencing at that point. You've taught me to say it is well. I mean, that, I don't know about you, but I want that. Like, I want to be able to say something like that in my worst, darkest, most difficult moment. And... <laughs> Just based on being with you guys this morning, I think you guys have it. Ain't like, oh my word. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning is suffering comfortably. And that, you're probably thinking, that's an oxymoron. That doesn't make sense. That's impossible. And by our definition of comfortably, 
It probably is an oxymoron. But the more I study the Bible, the more I realize the Bible is just full of paradoxes, right? The Bible is full of things that us and our tiny human brains, we can't quite fully get our hands around. We can't quite fully explain it, but it's nevertheless true. And it is, I mean, what Bree just read in, in 2 Corinthians 1, God offers the possibility of suffering comfortably. Having God's comfort right in the middle of that suffering. And so as we try to figure this out, how is this possible? We're, we're pretty fortunate because the, the Apostle Paul, the entire letter of 2 Corinthians, it's all about suffering. And then this first section is about suffering comfortably, but the letter as a whole, he's talking about suffering purposefully. So the church at Corinth, these false teachers had come in and they're telling the believers, hey, look at, look at this guy, Paul. Look at his life. You know, he came, he, he helped plant this church, you know, he's a teacher, he's, he claims to be this authority, this apostle, this messenger sent from God. But these false teachers were saying, if this, if this Paul was really sent by God, do you think he would be in all these shipwrecks? Do you think he would get arrested and imprisoned all the time? Rejected and hated? Do you think he would, people would be trying to murder him, throwing stones at him? They started to question him, saying, wouldn't God's messenger just kind of have a smooth sailing life? Right? And that's, they started planting these seeds of doubt. So the whole letter that Paul is writing to them, he's defending himself and really defending God, saying, look, these false teachers, they have a fundamental misunderstanding of how the Christian life works and, and the way that God moves. So in these verses in chapter 1, Paul jumps straight in, and he's saying, look, my suffering, my afflictions that I'm going through, they have actually led to my own comfort, and they lead to me being able to comfort you guys when you're in affliction and when you need comfort. So we're going to see that Paul's sufferings, his hardships, everything he went through did not at all undermine his ministry. In fact, it actually strengthened it made it more effective, made it even better because it made him and his ministry more like Jesus and more like Jesus' ministry. So what Paul is saying, this, the main thing Paul is trying to communicate here, he's saying because I, or me and Timothy, he's, he's used, he uses the we. He's talking about himself and Timothy. Because we have suffered and because we've been comforted in that, now we're able to comfort you when you're in suffering. And so for us, we're going to get just two questions this morning. Two questions, and guess what? Each question has its own outline. It's a two-for-one special. We got, two, we got two outlines this morning. Here are the two big questions we're looking at. So Paul is teaching that suffering and comfort, they're somehow linked. And the question is, why on earth is that the case? Why would God make that a thing? Why are suffering and comfort linked? And then secondly, if they are, how can we experience those two things together? Why and how? So, those are the questions we're getting after. And just before we jump in, Paul keeps using these two words, affliction and suffering. And just so that we're all on the same page, what he's talking about in his situation, that word affliction, 
it's, I mean, the, the image that the word gives is that of pressure. It's some force from the outside bringing pressure onto you. It's, it's any form of um, like trouble, even oppression or distress. And it's like, it's like, what are the pressure points that you are facing right now? The pressure points in your life. And for Paul, a lot of it was coming from the outside. Like he was being persecuted. He was being rejected. So that's affliction. The second one is suffering. That other word he keeps using. And that he's talking about any, any form of pain or hardship that, you, that you're experiencing. And so he just, he covers a wide variety of things. I'm talking uh, sickness, whether it's uh, like relational hurt. It could be financial stress, persecution, fill in the blank. So all that to say, wherever you're at this morning, whatever you have walked into this room dealing with, these, what Paul is talking about, it, it applies to you. Whatever those pressure points are right now, this passage is for you. It's for us. And here's the, here's the reality. Every single path that people are on in this, in this life, every single path, I don't care who you are or where you come from, Every path leads to suffering at one point or another. Every single path leads there. Nobody's getting out alive, right? Nobody's getting out unscathed. You can't live this life without experiencing some sort of affliction or suffering. Nobody's going to make it out. It's inevitable. It's like trying to drive through the state of South Carolina without hitting traffic. It's impossible. Nobody's getting out of there without hitting bumper to bumper traffic. When we lived in North Carolina, we're from Florida. So when we lived up there, we traveled back and forth a lot. South Carolina, without fail, you're going to hit traffic. You're going to. That's how it is with suffering in this life. You're going to hit it at some point or another. Whether it's from the hands of somebody else, like you're, you're being hurt or oppressed, whatever they've done to you. Whether it's something you do. And you're facing consequences of that action, that decision. Or just experiencing the effects of life in a broken world. So every path leads to suffering. Here's the thing though. Only the path of following Jesus will lead through suffering. Everybody will lead, like, you're going to find it. Only the path of Jesus will lead you through it. And we get it wrong when we start to think the path of following Jesus leads us around suffering or maybe over top of it, or maybe we get to dig a tunnel and go on. Somehow we think we'll get out unscathed. I'm with God. I'm not going to suffer. We're going to see how that's not exactly the, that's the mindset these false teachers had. So when Paul is driving through South Carolina and he hits traffic, these teachers are saying, why didn't God give him a helicopter? Wouldn't God give him a helicopter to just fly on over? And Paul is saying, no, I'm still in a car, and there's a reason for this. Like, there's a purpose. I'm, I'm going to go through the suffering. So, that's, but this all leads to the first question is, okay, we know that's a thing. Everybody leads to suffering, but like, why? Why are suffering and comfort linked? Why would God set it up that way, so to speak? There's two reasons. The first is God's a realist, okay? God is a realist, meaning 
he is fully aware of what sin has done to the place. Right? God knows that as sin, the existence of sin, as that is introduced into the world, suffering comes along with that. It actually, sin coming into the world demands some form of suffering because sin demands justice. It demands things be made right. It demands a payment. So God knows, and the Bible never ignores the reality of suffering. Like, it'll, it'll name it. The Bible is not afraid to name just how dark and difficult life in this world can be. So we as Christians should never ignore it either. We are not called to pretend that everything is always fine and dandy. Like That's not what the Lord calls us to. So when I say suffering comfortably, right, here's what I don't mean. I don't mean that we just pretend the pain isn't there or that uh, we don't. I'll say it this way. Christians are allowed to grieve. Christians are allowed to hurt. Christians are allowed to struggle. Like we name our suffering. We have to name it. We don't ignore it. It is a reality. God is a realist. <laughs> the Bible is very realistic. So we name our suffering and then we let God redeem it. And Paul gives an example. Look at verse 8, right after the passage we read. Paul names what he went through. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Paul names it. Like, he's not afraid to say, yeah, we were at that incredibly low point. We name the suffering, and then we let God redeem it. So because God's a realist, he knows suffering is inevitable in a fallen world. But that leads to another question. Like, why? yes, okay, let's say he, he knows suffering's a thing, but why would he let us go through it? Why doesn't he just kind of beam us up after we're saved? Like, we repent and believe in Jesus, and we say, all right, beam me up, Scotty, and then, right, take us up. Is that the wrong name? Did I say the wrong name? Oh, that was right? Okay. I don't know. So, so why doesn't, that, that's the question. Why doesn't God just do it that way? Why, after we are rescued by Jesus, why do we still have to, why does our path still lead through suffering? Because God is not just an evangelist. I mean, God's not just a realist. He is an evangelist. And my slide's not working down here. So I don't know if you guys can help me up there. There it is. God is an evangelist. God shares good news. That's all that word means. God doesn't just share good news. He made the good news possible in the first place. And when it comes to suffering, like look at the example of Jesus. His path of, of obedience as God the Son, following the will of God the Father. His path led to the darkest place of suffering you can ever imagine. And it was through that path that then he secured and made comfort, true lasting comfort available to us. So he went through suffering in order to make this good news possible, to make it a reality. Like he took on the consequences of sin on our behalf 
to open that door. To say, here is comfort available to you. So now as we go through affliction, just like Jesus, God uses us to spread his salvation and to spread his comfort. Look how this works. Look at verse 4 again. Paul says, God who comforts us in all our affliction. Why? Why does God let us go through affliction? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then look at verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for what? It's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. So if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian this morning, know this, your suffering will be used by God to build his kingdom. One way or another. It's like his comfort. We've said this before. It got, the gospel came to you on its way to somebody else. In the same way, God's comfort, it comes to you on its way to somebody else. Like we receive, when we're in that season of, of affliction, and we receive God's comfort, you know what we're supposed to do with it? Spread it around. Share that thing. Share that comfort. We are made to follow the example of Jesus. And just as his suffering led to comfort for millions, so too can God use our suffering to comfort those around us. So, God is a realist and he's an evangelist, and that's why comfort and suffering are linked. But it's important to note here that we live in what a lot of Christians call the already but not yet. So the already but not yet is the fact that Jesus, he, when he came, he brought the kingdom of God. Like he was bringing the kingdom of heaven down to the kingdom of earth. And it's here. But it's, it's already here, but it's not yet fully realized, right? We're in this in-between. So as we're talking about suffering and suffering and comfort, this is a unique thing as we live in this in-between. We have to learn how to navigate. Okay, we are already rescued. I'm already saved and purchased by the blood of Jesus. But I'm not yet in that final state of full comfort, of no suffering. I'm not there yet. I'm in this in-between. So this passage, we're learning how to navigate the already and not yet. Yes, salvation is a reality. But yes, so is suffering. How? So the question now is, how do we actually experience these two things together? We know why God does it, but how is that actually possible? So we can experience God's comfort in our suffering in three ways. It's by enduring with patience, accepting our dependence, and hoping for deliverance. And we'll see how Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, touches on all three of these things. So the first one, we can put the slide up there. We can experience God's comfort in suffering by enduring with patience. Look at verse 6 again, the second half of it, where Paul says, It is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And this is, a, this is a, an incredible point. 
God's comfort is not just something we know about. He's saying here, we can experience that. Like this is something we actually, we don't just know it intellectually, like we know it in our heart. And there are moments where we feel that comfort from God. That's what I'm talking about with when Horatio Spafford wrote, it is well with my soul. Like I want, I want to know it and I want to experience that. I want to experience God's comfort. And the question is how? So the first is enduring with patience. Patience, patience, patience. It is so crucial. Why is it crucial? Because, as Jackie Hill Perry put it so eloquently and succinctly, she said, impatience makes us stupid. It does. I'm telling you, impatience makes us stupid. <laughs> Sorry. She uh, she had this like video online where she explains it. It was hilarious. But she goes on to say, um, when we are impatient, we start... This, this is such a good observation that she made. When we're impatient, we start to look for easier ways to obey God. And you know what that leads to every time? Sin. <laughs> when we say, God, you are leading me through this South Carolina traffic and I don't like it, I want to get around this stuff. That mentality, trying to find an easier way to obey God, it's never going to lead you to further righteousness. That's going to lead you away from God and into sin. We don't need to be looking for that helicopter. You can just sit in the car and let God take care of it. So patience, part of what patience is really, if you think about it, it is surrendering to the situation that you're in. I mean, it can be as simple as ordering food at McDonald's. You expect that food out in what, maybe three to five minutes? Probably a reasonable expectation. Let's say you're 15 minutes into waiting. Impatience, you start making rude comments to the cashier who has no control over the situation. They're just there taking orders. You start demanding your food. You start doing this and that. Patience, on the other hand, you surrender and realize, I'm not the one back there in the kitchen. I'm not the one making the food. So I kind of just have to wait. You're just, you surrender to that. You realize, oh, I, have, I don't actually have control of this situation, so I might as well just wait. Patience is just surrendering. And it's really, it's letting God be God and then waiting on his timing. So back to sitting in traffic. We could just patiently wait for things to, to free up and then we'll drive on our merry way. Or we can try to forge our own detour and just get lost. Right? Like those are those are the options. And here's the thing. God never asked us to control the situation we're in. Right? He's not asking us to do that. God is asking us to be faithful in whatever the situation is and surrendering to his control. Uh, actually, Bree shared this question with me and Alexa, and it's been so helpful. Um, she said, whenever you're experiencing uh, some form of anxiety or even impatience, ask yourself the question, what am I carrying that I was never meant to hold? And the answer for impatience, you're trying to like grasp at control of the situation. So patience would be, okay, 
I'm going to let God be God. I'm going to be faithful in what he's called me to do and trust him with all the rest. So that is one way to experience God's comfort in suffering is by enduring with patience. The second way is by accepting our dependence. Let's read verse 9. Accepting our dependence. Paul says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. This is one of the main purposes of suffering, to remind us that we rely not on us. We rely on God, and we rely on others around us. So first, we'll just really quick look at depending on other people. We have to let others comfort us. Like Just let somebody else come alongside you. With whatever the season you're going through is, let somebody in. And I know it can be very hard to ask for help. It's humbling. It's hard to accept help when somebody offers it. But honestly, like we cannot survive without it. Like we need, we need each other. We need our community. And that's why, like we read in verse 4 earlier, Paul is saying he went through suffering so that he could share comfort with other people. So we take the comfort God gives and then we pass it along. So don't rob yourself of the opportunity to receive God's comfort through somebody else. Like maybe God put somebody through the exact situation you're facing so that they can now come alongside of you and bring that comfort and bring that help. So we need others. That's one of the main avenues God uses to comfort us. And like Paul says in verse 9, we need God himself. We do not rely on ourselves, but on God. This makes me think of, like our boys were sick recently. And when they're sick, they just, they want all the extra snuggles. They want the extra hugs and kisses. They'll just like lay with us on the couch. and Because they know. Like when they are sick, their awareness of their need for us is just like sky high. Their sickness drives them to us. Does that make sense? In the same way, when we are going through that affliction, whatever it is, our awareness of our need for God is just heightened. And notice I say our awareness. Our need for him is always up here. <laughs> what suffering does is just makes us more aware. Oh my word, I, I need you. Like, I don't got this. And with our boys, those extra snuggles and hugs and kisses, they're always available. Like, I will hug my kid as many times as he wants. But when he's fine and dandy, he, I mean, he's not looking for that, right? I don't blame him, okay? Like, playing with toys is fun. But when he's sick, like, it drives him to that. In the same way, comfort from God is always available. It's always there. What our suffering and affliction does is it makes us realize I need that. I need that right now. Here's the most amazing thing. Well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, the word comfort comes up 10 times in, in these few verses. He just says comfort, comforted, comforting, comfort. And that word that he uses, it's the same root word that Jesus uses in John 15, 15 through 17, when he talks about the Holy Spirit. 
He says, I'm going to send you a helper. And that's that same word. I'm going to send you a comforter. And what that, the Greek word, the, the image it uses is to call somebody to be right next to you. So what the Holy Spirit does is he calls us and he says, hey, I want you right here. I'm here to call you right next to me. To give you that comfort. To be right here. That is, that is the Holy Spirit's role. Is to call us to his side. To refresh us. To console us. To be there with us. And then we get to just like trust fall back into him. Just full trust fall. And this, this is what I was about to say earlier. This is so incredible. When we... Not just when we suffer, but especially when we're in those seasons of affliction, we don't just get to experience God's comfort. We get God. Like we get to experience God Himself. If you are a Christian, you get God. And that is the most ridiculous statement ever, but it is true. And it should blow our minds every time we think on it or say it. You get God. It's like Tommy said a couple weeks ago, if you are a Christian, if you're a believer, then the greatest possible thing ever imaginable has already happened to you. You get the God of the universe who is love, and he is for you, and he is with you. So when we start to have that perspective shift, like God himself calls me to his side. He's got me. I am his. Like that song said, I am yours forever you're mine. We, when we have that, we like widen the lens and we see that perspective. All of a sudden, the slander doesn't hurt quite so bad. All of a sudden, the bills that are stacking up don't seem quite as stressful. All of a sudden, that diagnosis we get, it's not as scary. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you listen to these words of mine and do them, you're building your house on the rock. So when that storm comes, the wind blows, the floods come, that house is not getting knocked over. The, the storm is coming, right? He doesn't promise there will be no storms. He promises that the house will, that will stand. And flip over or scroll down to chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians. In chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says this, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death. Why? For Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So get this. God's rescue and salvation and his love, it is so complete and so powerful that even our lowest points of pain and hurt now become places of comfort. Like that's how pervasive God's salvation is. 
Even the worst case scenario, you lose four daughters on a shipwreck after you've already lost your house and all your belongings. That place now becomes a place of comfort. Why? Because God is there and he's with you. And if you have God, you, you have God. <laughs> if you've got God, you've got everything you need. So that's why we are never crushed. We're never struck down. That house will stand because God is the one keeping it up. And we look, we not only have the perspective of having God himself, we, we have him forever. And it's that, that eternal perspective shift that we need to have, knowing that we will get to enjoy him for eternity. And that, that leads to the, the final point of how we experience suffering and comfort together. It's that hope for the final deliverance. And like Sarah likes to say, Sarah Clayton, there's always one more deliverance than there is affliction in the Christian life. There's always one more deliverance. So we hope for deliverance. Let's read verse 10 back in chapter 1. It says, He, God, delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope so that He will deliver we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So we're letting the future reality of that full restoration, when the, the kingdom does come fully, we let that future reality affect our present right now. It, that future comfort brings comfort to the present where we are right here and now. And this hope, is it's a Hebrews 11 kind of hope. It is a, like we are sure of this. We are confident and we are certain that that is coming because we're confident in God. And if he said it, he's going to do it. And we're hoping for that final deliverance when our comfort will be just comfort. And there will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain. So let's play the long game, looking ahead to that. And because that future reality is coming, we can suffer comfortably here because we know that day is coming. And Jesus, just closing thoughts, Jesus makes that future deliverance possible through, through the gospel, through his life and death and resurrection. He opened that invitation. like He invites us into that forever celebration. He invites us into that and he made it possible through his own suffering. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. So if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, we are afflicted but not crushed. Well, Jesus was afflicted and crushed. Jesus was perplexed and driven to despair. He was persecuted and forsaken. He was struck down and destroyed so that we don't have to be. Like he took it on all the way. But he rose back. He was killed. He was destroyed, but he rose again. And he is alive, securing the victory over all those things. So now with Jesus... Death brings life. Defeat brings victory. 
and suffering brings comfort. He has taken the strongest ammo that the enemy has and has now turned it against the enemy. Because now those things, the enemy wants to use suffering against what against us. Guess what? Suffering is a place of comfort because God is there. And Jesus makes that possible through what he did on the cross and then raising back to life again. So, parting, a parting challenge for all of us. Let's view suffering and affliction not as frustrating inconveniences in life. What if we started to view these things as an opportunity? It's an opportunity to experience God himself, to experience God's comfort, and to build his kingdom. And it's an opportunity to praise his name. As Paul says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And my prayer is that we would all get to know that God of comfort really, really well even in those lowest points, the lowest places of suffering that we experience in this life. God is there. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God of all comfort. You have compassion on us. You see us in those low places and, and you are drawn there, just like a parent is drawn to their sick kid to bring comfort. So you come and you bring your peace and your, you just wrap us up in your love, Lord. May we let you do that. May we invite you into those places of affliction. God, I pray that this would not just be a knowledge that that's who you are, that not just knowing you're the God of all comfort, but experiencing that you are the comforter. And thank you, Lord, that through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, you make that possible. You've rescued us from the consequences of our own sin and instead give us comfort because of your love. What a miracle. God, may we just respond in praising your name, blessing the name of the Lord. Amen.